It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall, and it's now getting embarrassing. These last two games the New York Rangers, we're recording this late after game four. I mean, just... A beating by the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. The New York, what happened to the New York Rangers? Where is this team that I watched and loved all season long? These are not the same Rangers we watched all year long. I, I'm watching Igor Shosturkin let up easy goals and getting pulled after letting up ten goals in the last two games. I'm watching Adam Fox get completely blown by in the defensive zone, completely blown by by Jason Zucker, to the point where it was almost is Fox hurt. You know, what 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 has happened with the top line? You know, Mika Zibanejad has the quietest four points in playoff history. You look at the stats and go, oh, wow, Mika's averaging a point per game. He must be playing well. Has, has he done anything in this series that has made you stand out and say, well, Mika looks good? It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, right now, Igor Shosturkin has a 9.05. I'm not blaming Igor for this. It's just... I'm not blaming Igor. He hasn't played well. But when you look at the numbers, the Rangers right now are playing an AHL goaltender in Louis Domingue. It should be a layup series for the Rangers. They can't get anything on. They're scoring four or five goals on Louis Domingue, and, and they lost last game scoring four goals on Louis Domingue. Igor Shosturkin has to be able to outplay 
Louis Domingue. And the Rangers have to be able to score on this guy. I mean, they scored two goals on tonight. I think they only put up 24 shots on him. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's ridiculous. And frankly, if you can't beat this guy, you don't deserve to you don't deserve to go anywhere in the Stanley Cup Finals. It's it's so disheartening for Ranger fans. And I and I want to believe in this team and say, I keep on telling myself, game five is back at the garden. You win that, you go somehow get a win, get some momentum back, and go get a win in Pittsburgh, and game seven's back in your building. They've done it before. They've done it against Pittsburgh before. You know, Lundquist was talking about it on the um, post-game show. You know, this, we've seen the Rangers do the Pittsburgh before. It can happen again. And you want to believe in it. But tonight's win, tonight's loss was just demoralizing. I mean, it was it was just a beating. It was a beating. That second period was the worst period of hockey. I think a Ranger fan has seen in a very long time, and we've had a couple of them this series, which is crazy from a team that's played so well defensively all year long. You know, Igor's got a 905 save percentage and a 323 goals allowed. He's given up 10 goals in the last three periods. You could never, you would never imagine that ever happening after the season he had. Louis Domingue has a higher save percentage than Igor Shostak right now in the playoffs. That's crazy. That is crazy. The Rangers are getting absolutely demolished in faceoffs per usual. But it's even worse than the, now that they have the league worst uh, playoff force 44% on faceoffs. Sidney Crosby is absolutely schooling Mika Zibanejad. In defensive zone and offensive zone faceoffs with the Penguins, I can't. How many times have they scored a goal off a clean faceoff win from Crosby or Malkin? But I mean, Zabanja has lost some big time faceoffs. The Rangers have given up also a playoff high twenty goals. So from a team who is second best in the league in goals allowed, now the most goals allowed in the playoffs. The only Ranger centerman that it's at fifty percent. Is Kevin Rooney, who's at 50%. Mika's at 48%. Kappa, 43%. Who was brought in for his face-off skill. Um, Ryan Strom continues to struggle with face-off dot, 41%. And Philip Heedle, who is career, not a very good face-off man, 35%. I mean, you have one guy at 50%. It's, it is rough. I mean, how many... Uh, how many faceoffs in the Penguins' zone do the Rangers lose and immediately lose any momentum? How many faceoffs do the Penguins win in their own offensive zone and keep the pressure on the Rangers? I mean, it's it's tough. It is tough to watch the Rangers right now. And the one high point you can come into the series, okay, the Rangers' power play, which you know all the outrage about the the referees not giving Rangers the calls, but. Game three, the Rangers had three power plays late in the game that they did not capitalize. They went 0 for 3. You can't blame the officials for that game. You just can't. I know the stupid Nemeth goal and the replay. You had your opportunities to win that game. You come back 4 to 1. Great comeback. No quit in New York. Everyone's believing in it. You know, Gorgiev comes in, shuts down the Pittsburgh, plays great in relief for Igor. Is exactly what the Rangers needed. And then he ends up giving up. You know, a soft goal there with what was it, five minutes left, whatever it was. But you had so many opportunities before that to get that go-ahead goal, and the Rangers never got there. And you can't blame Gorgia for that goal. 
You can't blame anyone else except for the Rangers in that power play. The Rangers are now only 22% in the series on the power play, where the Pens are now at 33%. They've gotten their power play rolling a little bit now. And it's not even the top guys. It's our second power play that's really been scoring. It really shows how much the Rangers really miss Barkley Goodrow and Ryan Lindgren out there. I mean, it's crazy. Patrick Nemitz is a complete disaster. Complete disaster. I'd rather have Mark Stahl out there right now. He's taken a team-high four penalties. No other guy on the team has taken more than one penalty in this series. He's taken four. And I don't know those for a fact, but I'm pretty sure all four of those goals ended up... All four of those penalties ended up in goals for Pittsburgh. I'm pretty sure. Not only that, he's minus four. So when he's on the ice, he's letting goals in. He's been awful. He's been getting blown by. He's missing hits, missing guys in the slot. It's bad. It's so bad. You know, Lingring comes back. I, I he has to be the guy who comes in the lineup. I think Braun's played okay. And he's what well, he's even. He's a, a zero. He's even plus minus. He's picked up an assist. I thought he's he's played okay with Fox. But I mean Nemeth's got. I mean to a point where. Really, you can't give Zach Jones a look here. I know when it comes out, oh, we won't play of experience. Really, your your best guys who have no your best players right now are the guys who have no experience. The kid line is your best best line right now. They're continu you're continuously putting pressure on the in the offensive zone. They have zero play of experience. Alexis Lafreniere, you can say, has been your most consistent forward the entire series. Kids, I think fifth in the team in hits. He's got a goal and assist. Uh, he's been all over the ice. Lafreniere. Has really stood out. And I would say your best defenseman has been Keandre Miller, another guy who's got zero postseason experience before. And I think Keandre right now, you're seeing possibly a superstar in the making, Keandre Miller. He is the best thing that's happened to the Rangers in this series. His play and Lafreniere's play, seeing those two guys come alive, is two things Ranger fans can get excited about in otherwise terrible series so far. And I was at game two at the at MSG. It was awesome. Went to the game with my dad. It's a memory and a moment that both of us will always have. It was incredible uh, to see the you know five two win, Garden going crazy after all of COVID and everything. To be back there five years after my last or the last playoff game I was there, uh, game four of that Ottawa series. So you know it was almost a full five years since I've been at MSG for a playoff game and. The energy and everything building up. The Rangers town beforehand. It was awesome. It was a great day. It was a great win. It was a, it's a, like I said, a memory I'll have forever. And to go from that night of that buzz to falling behind 4-1 to one in the first period of the next game in Pittsburgh. It's like, what is happening? And then they come back and then they, you know, they just couldn't get it done. And then they it's like, okay, well. You know, they're right there. They're better, you know, you're like, okay, they're, they're better than this team. Like They came back on this team. They can beat Deming. And then to get steamrolled like they did tonight, it, I mean, it takes it takes any any wind in your sail is gone, it is gone, and you you try to psych yourself up like I said, and it, it's really tough to do that. And I know fans of this show and listeners of the show enjoy my positivity around the Rangers, and they they listen to the show for for some positive takes, and this, I'm trying to give you some positives here in Lafreniere. And uh, and Miller's performance. I think Kako's played well, you know. But guys like Frank Vitrano, who I mean, he had he had the a goal, you know, in um, 
the big goal in game two, but he's been otherwise pretty quiet. Panarin, he might still be hurt. I mean, he's had five points in the series again, but has he really had a huge impact? Have any of these big star players had a huge impact on the series yet for the Rangers? You could say, you know, you look at the other side of the ice and their top line, Crosby and Getzel and Ru they are having a major impact on this series. That line right now has taken over this series. The Rangers have no answer for them. They have no answer for Sidney Crosby. It's crazy. The guy's still getting it done. 16 years, whatever it is, years in the league. It's crazy. He's still dominating out there. So hopefully the Rangers come back to MSG. They get their mind right. Gallant has already said he's going back with Igor, which I, you got to ride the guy, right? He's going to be the Vezina Trophy winner. He's he's your horse. You got to ride him, right? I wouldn't – if I was him, I wouldn't go to – I know Gorgiev has played well in the relief so far, but I think you live and die with your star goaltender. And uh, it kind of – it is what it is, right? You, if he goes out there and performs – you know, he's your guy. He, you know, I, I wouldn't put Gorgiev in net. I, it's Igor's net. He's earned that. He's had some rough games, but you gotta, you gotta ride with your guy there. And I don't blame him for doing that. But, uh, just it, it tonight, it, it's tough to record this show right after that game, just because of how sinking of a feeling it was watching that. And you, you were hoping in the third period they come out and give you something to to hang your hat on for Game Five, and they didn't. They didn't do anything in the third period. If anything, Pittsburgh, again, controlled play the entire period, scored on the goal. You know, there's, there's not much of a takeaway from that either. But on a positive note, on a very big positive note, we have an unbelievable guest this week. And uh, here, a guy who will bring you back to better times in Ranger, in Ranger uh, lore, um, part of the 2010s team that, uh, I think Ranger fans love, and he was a guy who's a, a fan favorite, one of my favorite guys that ever put on a Ranger jersey, uh, Brandon Prust. It was an awesome interview. Um, talked about those Ranger teams, you know, some good stories uh, about Ryan Callahan and uh, Henrik Lundqvist and, and all those key players from that era, uh, you know, some torts talk. And, and we got into it about the 2014 Eastern Conference Finals, too, when he was on the other side of the ice uh, playing for Montreal and, uh, the whole, or what, yeah, it was 2014, yeah. Well, Chris Kreider slamming into Price and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, it was awesome to talk to him about that and kind of get his, you know, he he was the one who hit Derek Stepan that put him up with that broken jaw. So it was definitely really interesting to talk to him about that experience, playing against his former teammates and all that playing out. So very cool interview. I think Rangers fans will really enjoy it. Uh, I really did. He's a great guy. And uh, it's always really fun to talk to guys from those teams because those teams are so fun to watch. And uh, and that really, you know, yeah, I know Yager and the 05 team really turned it around, but those 2010 teams, like that's, those are the teams that were, con you know, they were in the conference finals. They, made, you know, made the cup run. Like all those guys from those team were um, were awesome. And, and obviously those memories still stand out the Ranger fans today because uh, it was so recent. So uh, great interview. But before we do send into an interview, I do want to tell you a quick message from our sponsors over at DraftKings. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. 
looking to turn a small profit into a big payday during the NBA playoffs. With DraftKings Same Game Parlay, you can do just that. Create and own a uh, create your own parlay by combining multiple bets with which team will win, uh, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you get your shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can make uh, can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up uh, up to twenty five dollars if one of your legs doesn't hit. So that's pretty cool. Uh, download DraftKings Sportsbook now and use the promo code Broadway and bet five dollars on any NBA team to win uh, to win their game and get one hundred fifty dollars back in free bets if they do. That's promo code Broadway only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling or referral services can be can be accessed by contacting eight seven seven eight Hope NY or text Hope NY. At four six seven three nine twenty one plus minimum five dollar uh, deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. We are now joined by a very special guest, one of my favorite Rangers. He was a fan favorite back in the day. Uh, Brandon Pruss, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I gotta go way back to your, to your roots growing up in Ontario. Who was, uh, who was your favorite player growing up? Who's your team? I would assume it's the Leafs. I was a Leafs fan. And, um, I mean, Wendell Clark was, um, my idol kind of just that him and Doug Gilmore, but Wendell Clark was my, my guy, you know, just the, the way he played the game, you know, obviously it was a great player, but could hit and, uh, you know, beat the crap out of somebody. So, uh, he did, he did it all. And, uh, he was a great leader. So yeah, he was my, he was my idol. I was going to say your game definitely probably takes more shape of Wendell Clark than Doug Gilmore though. I would, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't quite have the shot that Wendell had, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I guess my game, I, I kind of mimicked it right after, uh, after Wendell or at least tried to. So you kind of have a crazy story in your come up stories. You were on draft in the OHL and did you go to an open tryout for the London Knights? Is that how you made the team? Yeah, they had, um, it was more for the junior B team. Um, they wanted to watch me. So they're kind of affiliate. I, I was kind of got invited to go to their camp. So I went to the Knights, um, kind of like a rookie camp that they had. And um, yeah, I ended up impressing them and getting invited to uh, the main camp. And that year I didn't think I was going to make the team and I didn't want to ruin my college eligibility. So I just told them I was going to play. I was just going to play for the nationals. Uh, that was the, the, the junior B team. And um, the following year, I was like, you know what? I really would like to try out for the night. So I didn't hear from them all summer. I was like, why? I had a great year in junior B. I don't know why they haven't called me. And then my dad was golfing one day and uh, he hit his ball into the other fairway and runs into Dale and Mark Hunter. And uh, he says, hey, uh, my son, he's been waiting for you guys to call him. This is like a week before camp. And they're like, oh, we thought he wanted to go scholarship route. Say no, he wants to try out for you guys. So I got a call later that day, and uh, got invited to camp, and I ended up uh, ended up making the team. That's good. Did you were you actually looking at colleges? Was that a serious thing? Like were you? Well, yeah. Like when I because I just didn't think you know I was like well you know I was and I was I missed my OHL draft, so I was never really on the board for anybody. So I just and there's that rule. As soon as you play an exhibition game, a junior uh, OHL exhibition game you ruin your college eligibility. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, for me, I was thinking, you know what, maybe I can get a scholarship. 
uh, playing junior B. So that was kind of just in my mind, just to go the, the college route. And then I was like, you know what, I, <laughs> I want to try and make it, make it onto the night. So, um, but they thought I wanted to go college route. So it wasn't until a week before, thank God my, well, my dad says that Dale hit his ball into my dad's fairway. And my dad says, did he, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all reversed, right? Nobody yeah. tells the truth of who, who sprayed their ball, but one of the guys did. And thankfully that happened. Uh, so yeah, so you make the Knights, which is obviously one of the top junior programs in all of Canada. Uh, your second year there it was really your breakout year. You had 62 points in 64 games. You racked up 269 penalty minutes. So what was it like? Was it just a comfortability in your second year that that kind of all came together, or uh, like yeah. what kind of confidence you take into that year? Yeah, I think it was. You know, I had a really good uh, first year, and um, like you know, I got some confidence and uh, and um, I started fighting. So one of my best buddies on the team was our tough guy. So I kind of started fighting him after practice. We would just screw around and he, he taught me how to fight. And, um, and by, I started fighting, you know, kind of some middleweights, some easy guys. And by the second year, um, you know, I'd worked out really hard too. So I was pretty jacked and I just started fighting everybody. And I, you know, I, I realized that I was pretty good at it. So I went from, never fighting before in my life to now I'm fighting heavies in the OHL and, and doing pretty well. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, it came natural to me, that fighting part. So being able to add that to my game, cause you know, I was, I was, I was a good player. Um, I was, I was skilled, but if I didn't really add that, that toughness to it, you know, I, I'm, you kind of blend in with everybody else. So being able to, you know, play second line or, you know, play power play and then, fight their fourth line heavyweight was a pretty, uh, pretty cool thing to do. And, and, you know, wasn't done that off that much. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's chief medical officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, definitely helps you make the lineup that night, right? Every time you yeah. can put your name in there. Uh, so that great year, you parlayed that into getting taken 70th overall by the Flames, the OFAR draft. Uh, what was that draft day experience like? I mean, you went from a guy, a kid who were on, undrafted in the OHL and three was it, three years later, you're now in a, th- a third round pick in the NHL. Pretty incredible. 
Yeah, um, that was pretty cool. I was a 20 year old. So, you know, like I started with the Knights when I was 18. So my draft year, I was, you know, it was a year before my overage. So I was two years older than everybody. And, um, you know, I went down with my family. I had a really good year that year and had a great playoffs was our, our lead, team leading score in playoffs. And, um, you know, I, I just I had a feeling I was gonna, I was going to go. And so I went down with my family and I remember our head scout. Uh, in London, Jim McKellar, he's now a head scout in Chicago. Um, he told me, he said, you know, Presty, you're probably not going to go first day. You just, you know, you'll go second day, but whatever. Um, and he said, if you go first day, I'll do cartwheels down, down the stairs. And, and so sure enough, uh, first day I get, I get drafted, you know, third, early third round is Calgary. And I remember seeing Jim after I go, I, I was looking at the stairs. I never thought <laughs> you doing any cartwheels. <laughs> Where was the draft that year? What's, what's that? Where was the Where, draft that year? It was in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, a nice spot to be. That's yeah, nice. so, yeah, my family, it was just my parents and my sister, and uh, we ended up going to, uh, you know, we went down to Myrtle Beach and golfed for a few days after and uh, made a nice trip of it. So you get back to London for your, your third year there, and and we had Dan Fritzke on the show too, your teammate, and yeah. uh, that's considered one of the best junior hockey teams of all time. Uh, you guys won what I think it was 31 consecutive games. You win the Memorial Cup. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just stack NHL talent, Corey Perry, Rob Schrem, Dan Girardi was on a team. Mark with was, I mean, just unbelievable talent. It was Dave there. Bowen, a Dave yeah. Bowen, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, you got Brian, uh, Brian Rodney, um, who else? Uh, Stanny Savret on D. So yeah, we were, we were, you know, six D solid and, and then four lines. Like, yeah, I think even some of our fourth liners had some good pro careers. So, yeah. I, I mean, was there a point where you guys were coming to the rink every day and was like, all right, well, let's just get this win out of the way and get out of here. Yeah. Like what, what, what was, kind of feeling well, yeah. in the locker room is that? I mean, you, we always knew we had a, we, we always knew we had a chance to win, which is a fun way to play hockey. We always knew that we were, most likely, most likely going to win. Someone was going to score a big goal, even if we got down, even if we were slow out of the gates. We would just turn it on in the third and uh, come back and win. And yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Like you know, we started getting we we had a, we had a fun year because you know we were all older. So you know, I was an overager, so I was twenty, um, even twenty one by the end of the year. And uh, so a lot of guys were nineteen, twenty. So. You know, we were we were kind of running around London a little bit. And I remember one time we were waiting outside. We were just kind of waiting to get into this bar in London. And uh, Corey Perry gets a call from the assistant coach about curfew. He goes, hey, just want to make sure everybody's in for curfew. And he's like, yeah, yeah, everyone's everyone's in. Everyone's in, in for curfew. He goes, yeah, you better be. He goes, you better not be lying to me. He's like, no, no, I'm not lying. He goes, well, I'm looking at you guys standing in line right now. <laughs> and then he was just like, you guys all right whatever have fun and like don't do anything stupid and be home everyone go home by you know two o'clock or whatever so um we were you know we had we had long leashes that year too so it was, it was fun he was probably as pissed the bar was letting you guys in before him yeah that was that, he was the coaches the only dumb part about that was the coaches were usually at the bar kind of next door so it wasn't hard it wasn't hard for them to find us uh, so after, so you win the world cup, how special was that? I mean, obviously it's a huge deal for any hockey player to win a championship, but I mean, that is the, in Canada, I mean, for junior hockey, like that is the pinnacle. Yeah. And I think for myself, it was a lot, 
it was just so much more of just growing up a London Knights fan and, and growing up in London and going to my dad taking me to the Knights games every Friday, right? Since I was four years old, my, my dad would take me with his buddies every Friday to watch Knights. So, um, you know, they never had an OHL championship before us. They never had a Memorial Cup, obviously. So, um, yeah, they it, went in it in my hometown, uh, playing for the Knights team I grew up watching and all my family and friends there. And being able to hold up the uh, the trophy to them was uh, was pretty cool. So um, that was that's obviously memories that uh, probably my some of my favorite hockey memories for sure. So you leave there, you sign with the, with the Flames, and you go to Omaha. What kind of culture shock is it from going from a town in, in London, Ontario, which is a hockey hotbed, to Omaha, Nebraska, where they're probably worried about football, and that's about it. Yeah, it was definitely, that was definitely a big change. The the one good thing was, well, one, you're, you know, you're a pro now, so you're living on your own. Now you got to learn how to cook and you got to learn how to do your own laundry. And so um, I lived with Eric Nystrom, uh, be, ended up becoming friends with uh, Nystrom and uh, he's still one of my best friends to this day. So um, it was, we had a great team. It was uh, like, obviously the hockey, you know, playing in front of, going from 10,000 sold out crowd to, you know, 2,500 uh, to 5,000, I guess. Um, but Omaha was a great town. I, I, I really had fun there. I was there for a couple of years and uh, some of my, some of my best friends in hockey are still, you know, my buddies from that year. So like Mark Giordano is still playing, uh, playing for the Leafs now. And uh, you know, he was with me my first couple of years there in Omaha. We had a great time. So a um, th- little bit of a change, but uh Luckily enough, the the Knights prepared me for uh, for that change and, and and going pro. So your second year of pro, you make your NHL debut against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, what was that call up story like? How did that happen? And what were the nerves like going with that game? Um, that one was um, that that was pretty cool. Obviously, Detroit was two hours from my hometown, so. Uh, again, my whole family, I get the call and find out that I'm, I'm playing and, um, my family is, uh, you know, all coming, all my friends. I think I've, I think I probably had 40 people, uh, come to that game. So, and, you know, you're playing against Lidstrom and Datsuk and Zetterberg and Chris Chelios, Hasek was the goalie, uh, Yuri Hitler. So playing against those guys. And then, you know, you're on the plane with, I was sitting beside Darren McCarty and, uh, you know, obviously a hockey legend and someone that I watched uh, growing up and just sit beside him on the plane was, was pretty cool. And um, yeah, it was a great game. And I still remember some of my shifts. I still remember some of my plays. Uh, I remember giving uh, Hasek a little, uh, um, little slash after he kind of froze the puck and creating a little bit of a melee so yeah it was uh, it was cool and again fortunate enough to be close to my hometown and having my family there and all my friends so your second your second NHL game against Columbus you threw the gloves down against Jody Shelley pretty pretty Mm. tough guy for your first NHL fight you remember that still yeah yeah I remember um I remember that because one of the reasons I got called up was because Calgary was kind of um you know not playing very well right so they needed a spark so um I knew kind of why Detroit didn't really have anybody tough, but uh, the next game um, we went in and I, and I fought, I went up to Shelly and uh, who ended up being my line mate, obviously uh, uh, a couple of years later, but uh, yeah, I went up to him, slashed him. And he was like, what the heck is this guy doing? And, and, and ended up, you know, holding my own. And 
Um, I remember Jim Playfair was the coach and he comes in and in the intermission and he kicks a garbage can and he just loses it on the whole team. Like he's like, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, you can go. You're fine. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he comes in and he, you know, he kicks the garbage can and he's just giving it to you guys. We called this fucking guy up to a fucking, and now he's sparking you guys. Like he just loses on him. You got a, you got like a 22 year old here or something like trying to spark you guys. Cause you guys suck. So like, <laughs> I was kind of like a cool moment for me. Like, you know, he, he acknowledged that I was doing that for the team and I was trying to get the boys pumped up and get their blood pumping. Cause you know, I knew that I was called up kind of for a reason to give the guys a spark and bring some energy. Um, do the guys look at you like maybe take it down a notch a little bit or <laughs> I don't th- no, I don't think so because especially like the, the, the leader guys, right? The guys that, you know, like I, I know uh, Ginla and those guys and Craig Conroy, uh, like those guys would appreciate that stuff, right? So um yeah, they were I think, you know, it's the guys that you're taking their spots. Uh, I think guys can kind of get their uh, <laughs> get their back up a little bit if you're stealing spots. Uh, so as we talked before, is so you you incorporate fighting obviously in your game, but you are a well-rounded player. You weren't just a, a, a fighter. You can do everything. We'll get into some of your Ranger days too, as your, your penalty killing skills. Uh, but hockeyfight.com has you with 126 fights, and we've been told by some guys that they short change a few fights in there. But 126 fights—that's a lot of a lot of times going at someone. Uh, you weren't the biggest of guys. Was that like was there a certain strategy that you took going into certain fights with bigger guys? Like obvious, yeah. obviously, you know, you're only what was it six foot? I think you're listed at six foot. Yeah. You yeah. fought guys as you know six five, six six. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, I, I watched tape on everybody. Um, I, I, in junior, I uh, Brad Staubitz broke my jaw, and I didn't know he was a lefty. After that, I watched. I made sure I knew um, everybody that I was fighting. I I did my homework on everybody, so I I would always have. Um, a strategy going into into the game just in case a, a fight ever did break out um, obviously some are spur of the moments and maybe guys that you didn't do your homework on but the tough guys the main guys I would always usually know how I was going to approach them um, and for me I tried to kind of fight the same way um, but there's a lot of guys that would if they're lefty I would kind of have to change things up uh, or guys that really switched up you know like Chris Neal he was a big he'd switch up you know five times in a fight so you'd have to kind of be ready for all all that so um yeah and i was a, i was a pretty smart fighter i was a, you know more of a defensive fighter i, I wouldn't just stand there and go toe to toe i tried to outsmart guys and and let them throw as many punches as they want but not many would hit and i would try and make sure mine counted so um yeah there's lots of different uh lots of different things but for me it was just doing my homework and knowing what to expect from a guy we were joking around before we came on about Cam Jansen and how you guys fought. It seemed like every time you touched the ice, uh, was there a guy who you kind of like you knew going into a game? Like if he's on the other side of the team, I'm probably going to drop the gloves tonight. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, obviously Cam Jansen was, was one like Chris Neal. It wasn't like, I just knew, all right, if, if, if they haven't been in you know the lineup maybe, or if their team had lost a couple in a row um, and you know, maybe my team has lost a couple in a row and I want to come out and spark my guys and get in a fight and, and get the blood pumping. And um, so I knew I would, I knew I was going to ask them. So 
that was even that was even tougher knowing that I was going to go after a guy. So sometimes it's sometimes it's tough as well. Just going, oh, man, is he coming after me tonight? So, yeah, there was there was always guys. There was always guys like that. Um, I remember playing with against Rick Rippon. You never knew when uh, when we were going to go. Um, yeah, Chris Neal, Cam Jansen. Who else did I fight a lot? There was a lot of guys. Even I know minors. Tanner Jan- uh, Tanner Glass was a guy you used to go after when. Oh after, yeah, Tanner your post Ranger days when he was on the Rangers, you go after him. Yeah, yeah. We uh, Tanner was a great fighter as well. He was another guy that you'd have to really, um, really try and outsmart. He switched up a lot. Um, so yeah, he was he was a tough boy, and yeah, another guy that we knew. You know, if if. Uh, if it came down to it, he might come after me or I might come after him and we'd both be kind of willing to oblige. So, um, yeah, he was another guy I, I probably fought, I, I feel like, five times. And we've had and we had some good bouts. Was there a guy you struggled against? Like someone who just had your number no matter how hard, you, you know, you studied him? Oh, um, I mean, I, I always I, I always did not bad. Like, I mean, Bolton was Bolton was a tough tough boy um he he was a tough one to fight for me because he was just so strong and um i did fight him once when i had a when i was with the rangers and i had a busted i had a busted hand and i still ended up fighting him and he uh he got the best best of me but um he was a tough he was definitely a tough one lutrich was uh always a tough one i think i fought him three times and he was obviously a tough guy to uh to defend but um chris neal jansen jansen and i i don't even know what our record would be against each other who knows but we always had uh we always had some good bouts uh your third year professionals you made the team out of camp that year with calgary how special was it to make the team out of training camp yeah that was uh that was pretty cool um you know i i signed i i, I played in the minors for about three years they i think they did a good job at kind of developing me and getting me ready for for the nhl and that's what calgary was was pretty big on so um yeah they it was i i signed that after my third year i signed a, a one-way contract so i was kind of thinking okay I'm, I'm gonna be here to stay so um i was in and out my my first year i ended up actually cam jansen broke my jaw with an elbow and um uh, so I missed some time and then Derek Bugard <laughs> elbowed me in the head when I came back and I was out for another few weeks. So my first year was a little, uh, you know, I, I was playing well when I was in, but I had some injury trouble. And then my, and then I got traded to Phoenix and then back to Calgary the next year. And um, yeah, th- that's when I ended up uh, going to New York that year. So um yeah, but uh, making the team right out of camp was pretty cool. And Mike Keenan was the coach uh, the first year in Calgary that uh, I was up in the NHL. So um, it was kind of cool to have him as a coach. Any good Keenan stories? Well, you know what? He was a lot calmer. So I also played with Todd Bertuzzi, who had Keenan before. And he's even said, he's like, he's really calmed down. He's, you know, he's a little bit more of a philosopher now. And uh he wasn't that screaming raging guy that you that you'd see on TV back in the nineties. So um yeah, he he's kind of calmed down a bit. I'm sure he appreciated your style of game though. Yeah, he did. He did. He loved it. He oh, I remember I fought uh it was one of our um one of our first games early in the season and I fought uh, Steve McIntyre, who's you know, six six two two seventy, I don't even know. And uh I fought him after he crushed somebody and 
uh, went to the dressing room. I, I kind of hurt my shoulder, but uh, he came up and gave me a hug. So uh, that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, so you talk about you get traded to Arizona and then you get traded back to Calgary and then Calgary trades you to the Rangers. Uh, I mean, it, not too many guys can say they got traded by one team twice in a few months there. What kind of roller coaster was that for you? Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I feel like it was something kind of in the works when they traded me to Phoenix. Um, I think they had to move some bodies. And because when I was saying bye to some of the team people, like they're like, oh, I'm sure we'll see you again soon. And I was like, what? What does that mean? Like, and then sure enough, at draft day in the summer, I got traded back to Calgary. And I was like, OK, <laughs> this is OK. That was obviously in the plans from the beginning. And um, so um and then Brent Sutter was the coach there and um, we never really, we never really saw eye to eye the whole time we were there. And uh, you know, I would definitely wasn't happy. And then the best thing to happen to me was get traded to New York and um, that ended up turning my career around. Yeah. You get traded to New York and you made an immediate impact. I mean, Ranger fans fell in love with you right away. You're putting up points. I think you had what, nine, nine points and 20 games. Whatever it was when you got there, you had a game winning goals. You're fighting guys. It was like one of those things when you came to New York, we're like, where did this guy come from? And like Ranger fans just fell in love with you right away. Uh, I mean, how cool was this playing in MSG? Uh, and guys say like the biggest rush, like you could score a goal at MSG is awesome, but like winning a fight at center ice in MSG with the garden going crazy is just like another, like another level. Yeah. I remember my first game uh, at MSG and we were playing Jersey and uh, Peters was obviously on the other side and uh, Brashear was there. Um, you know, um, he was kind of, he wasn't playing. And, uh, but I, I remember talking to him in the dressing before about how to fight Peters and what he does and stuff. So, um, and I ended up fighting Peters uh, twice, twice that game. And I think after that kind of, uh, you know, I got my, uh, I got my respect from the fans and from my teammates there. So that was kind of a good, uh, a good way to kick off my Rangers career. Yeah, and your, your first full year there was obviously your coming out party for your career. I mean, an unbelievable season, uh, 13 goals. But the thing that I think I remember most from that year from you is the shorthanded goals. You had like yeah. five shorthanded goals that year. You're a penalty. Did you, were you killing penalties in Calgary, or was that when you came to New York when you started doing that? It was more like I was a big penalty killer in Calgary, like farm system. I was one of our top guys penalty killing. Um, and then Calgary, though, I wasn't penalty killing in Calgary. And then – when I came to New York, Torts got me on the on the penalty kill and uh, ended up, you know, doing a great job. And uh, Boiler and I, um, yeah, Boiler and I penalty killed together, and we had some good chemistry there. And uh, yeah, I ended up having. I, I think uh, I was in second place. Someone had six or seven. Um, who was it? Someone had six or seven shorthanded goals and beat me that year. Probably probably Bergeron or something like that. Nielsen, I think, and uh, I think it was Nielsen in Long Island. Oh, really? Brock I think Nielsen? Yeah. I think so. I, I, or Franz Nielsen, I mean, yeah. Franz yeah. Nielsen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, unbelievable year that year. Uh, I guess, you know, you even got Selkie votes that year, too. I was looking at that. You got some Selkie votes, too, which, yeah. Literally. I looked it up. You came in 17th place in the Selkie trophy voting that year. No way. Yeah. Who votes on that? Uh, uh, I guess. I guess Pat, no, as a players or is it uh, media? I have no idea. Maybe media. I don't know. We'll get your certificate of some sort of 17th on there. For would, that I was would, pretty good though, right? I would like to see that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to set, you got to send me that. I'll send you that. But uh, John Torello obviously put a ton of trust in you that year. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Um, I mean, what kind of relationship did you guys have? And like, talk about Keenan. I mean, Tortorella, you were like the guy, all the players you obviously see go through with Torts' system. Like you were the guy he wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. Torts was, I mean, I, I always had, I had a great relationship with Torts. I, I always enjoyed coaches that were passionate and honest. Um, they told you straight up how it was like, there was no screwing around and he treated everybody, you know, the same. Um, so we got along good. I, I knew what he wanted from me and, um, I knew, you know, I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to displease him. That's for sure. So <laughs> I, I think he appreciated what I brought to the team and, um, you know, we always, we always had a good time together. Um, you know, the, obviously he ripped me a few times when I wasn't playing well, but, um, you know, that ended up waking me up. So, um, I appreciated him as a coach and he was great for my career. And, uh, he, he kind of, when I, when I got traded there, he, he let me go and said, well, show me what you got. And, uh, fortunately enough, I was able to. Any good, uh, locker romantics with him or no? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh Yeah. Um, well, him and him and um, Sully were just uh, crazy on the bench, just two coaches and they would just feed off each other. And there was a, there was a lot of there was a lot of yelling and stuff. I'm trying to think of a, a good story. Well, <laughs> him and Gabrick used to go go at it quite a bit. Um, they had a couple, <laughs> a couple fuck you matches for sure. But uh, no, Torch is, is a good guy. He's a guy you could also joke around joke around with, too. You know, he was. Um, he was pretty funny that way. So, yeah. Did Gabrick ever give you a look on the bench when he was sitting there in the first line would go out there and he'd tell you Prus go out there instead of him? Or, you know, did, did you ever get eyeballs from him down the bench? <laughs> no, no. Then, yeah, and Torch would, uh, I don't know, not really. I think he, he would just he would just give eyeballs to Torch. He would, wouldn't give it to the players. It's not really the players' fault. Uh, so then next year, your second year there, you guys make the run to the conference finals. I mean, that team was so good. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, obviously, an unbelievable postseason, regular season. How incredible is the play with a guy like that and that they use Noah every night? He's just going to bring it. 
Yeah, Hank was one of a great competitor. Um, that was one thing I, I really loved about him. He hated any puck going, even in practice. He didn't, like, I would I would kind of shoot pucks from the, like, side, from the wall, from the boards, and when he wasn't looking to see if he'd let him in, and then he'd kind of catch, you'd see it last second, and he'd stop it. Like, he just hated, he was such a competitor. He never wanted anything going by him. So um, I definitely admired that about him. Any good off-ice stories with him? Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> well, one time we were, <laughs> I had just said it was after the season. And I don't know why this, I just thought of this. Um, after the season, I had shoulder surgery. Uh, I think it was my second year of the nights. And so I was still in New York and just a few days after my surgery, I'm in a sling and I text him like, Hey, let's go for lunch. So I'm waiting at the, re- I'm waiting at the restaurant, kind of in the sitting area and waiting for him. And he comes in and he just whacks my shoulder. Like you didn't know that I had my, <laughs> So he comes in, he goes, hey, and he whacks my shoulder. I'm like, oh, my Hank, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's just, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, I, oh, man, I remember that. Just being like so much pain three days after my surgery, and Hank just whacks me hard. Uh, that The battles that year with the Devils were obviously intense. You guys had the Lion Brawl. You're, you're now completing the hat trick of all the guys that from the Rangers that were involved in that, but also that playoff series was obviously so intense. Uh, probably, you know, obviously the, the 90s rivalry to the Devils was great, but um, that year it kind of came back alive. And, uh, you know, how like the intensity of those games go into it, like what what kind of energy was that going into, like even pregame? Um, like obviously the garden was crazy, but even at uh, the Meadowlands was nuts, too. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole vibe around the, the city and Jersey was was pretty crazy because we had two two great teams uh that year um you know both were both were doing pretty well and um we obviously had uh our our lines with the the tough boys on it so um i i don't remember kind of the games leading up to that one and if i think there was a fight at the end of a game um the, the time the game before and and then in new york obviously DeBoer starts um his his fourth line and and torch comes in and goes all right this fucking idiot starting his fourth line because i'm not saying we have to go out and fight but we're not backing down we are not backing down and so he goes rupper crusty bickle you're going in you're going at center <laughs> so we're just like holy fuck like <laughs> yeah we don't have to fight but we're not backing down okay so we're fighting Okay. So, and then Bickle comes up and goes, Hey guys, how should I um, take this draw? And we're like, me and Rupert just looked, we're like, buddy, don't worry about the face off. (laughs) Rupert was saying that Rupert's like, that's your question right now is how to win a face off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're like, don't even worry about it, bud. (laughs) But I think he still tried to win that face. off. No, he did. He did. did And and his biggest thing is he's one for one on face off. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he tried to win that face-off. So, and I remember before, so I was lined up against Bolton, and I'd already fought Bolton that year. And Bolton was, I, like, I had a bet. I had I fought Jansen, so I, I kind of knew how to fight him, and uh, it was a better matchup. So I'm lined up against Bolton, and I'm like, screw this. I'm like, I'm gonna fight. I'm like Rupper. You got Bolton. Like, I, he's more your weight class. I'll take Jansen. So we kind of did like a little switch, and then. Obviously, Jersey has last um, 
like last or we had last last change yeah. so wherever they lined up we would just change so eventually you know they just stopped changing i'm like yeah i'm fighting i'm fighting jansen <laughs> like so that's kind of how that worked out bolton got stuck with the uh, rubber the rubber got stuck with bolton also i think the best part is like wwe style like dubinsky like slowly glides back from the center dot and Stu like slowly slides in yeah and uh like that that was so awesome because it was because dubinsky had the cheap shot he got cheap shot by was was it carter or whatever it was before yeah, yeah. so then he couldn't fight because i guess he was still what it still banged up a little bit so yeah. he slides back and and Stu glides in like that. It's just such a great video, and then obviously the crowd just yeah. I mean, oh, I don't yeah. think I think the garden buzzed for a half hour after that. Like, how incredible was that? Sitting in the box, like taking oh, that all in. Yeah, that was oh man, that was awesome. We were just we were all in the box just talking about what just went down, and all right, and then Torts is screaming at DeBoer and uh, just giving him dirty looks, and yeah, the MSG was rocking and. Uh, Oh man, that was something I still want to get. There's a really nice picture that I really want to find and get blown up. Um, and it's just, it's, you got all three of the fights going on. Um, I saw it, uh, I saw it a couple times and I, I haven't been able to find it, but it's, yeah, it's basically, um, yeah, a picture with all three of the fights all at once and the great MSG background. Like it's just such a sick picture. I'll have to find that. Too. That's an awesome. That would be awesome to have that. Yeah. yeah. That's very cool. Did Tort yeah. say anything to you guys like in an intermission or post game, like way to go? Or did he bring it up after there? No. Yeah. Yeah. Torts was always, you know, Torts would always come in and say great job. And uh, especially if you got in a fight or guys were sticking up for each other, he, he loved that stuff. So um, yeah, he, he came in, even when we got to the bench, he always get big pat on the back. Sometimes, uh, you know, I would get in a big, I would get in a big fight trying to, to get the team going and towards be the first guy to pat me on the back as I was coming off the ice. Right. So, um, he loved that stuff. Is there any other memories from your Ranger days that really stick out to you? Yeah. I mean that, that run that we went on, um, to go to the conference final was obviously huge. I, th- I think we beat, um, Ottawa and Washington and then, uh, lost to Jersey in the conference finals. Um, but, uh, I remember against Ottawa, we were down, I think we were down three games to two. And, um, I fought, um, I fought Chris Neal and this is, we were down, I think one, nothing in the game or two, one in the games, uh, second period, pretty sure. <laughs> and I, 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 I rocked Carlson. So next shift, um, you know, I, Chris Neal comes after me and, um, I get in a big fight with him and, you know, we're in Ottawa, the Ottawa crowd's going crazy. Um, and you know, we had a really spirited bout and places rocking. And I remember it was kind of the end of the period. So I'm coming off the ice and Torts was the first guy you, it, when, when the cameras, you see Torts on the bench, he's going nuts more than any of the teammates. He's clapping like huge. And he, and as soon as I get off the ice, he's the first guy to meet me down there and pat me on the back and, um, and then Brad Richards, after in an interview, ended up coming back, winning that game. And Brad Richards said, you know, after Presty did that, we didn't uh, we didn't want to let him down. And um, I think for me, that was uh, that was a pretty cool moment. That's a, I think every Ranger fan hated Chris Neal, too, from that series on or even before that. So uh, yeah. I, and that's why also that's why Ranger fans love you so much. I mean, the guys that every fan hated, you would go after for them. So, I mean, that yeah, it was, exactly. it was, a, it was beautiful for Ranger fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so after was it three part of three seasons with the Rangers, you moved on to Montreal. Um, did the Rangers try to keep you? What was that? 
uh, free agency like? Uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was crazy. You know, um, I, I remember talking to Torts that day and, you know, I was like, I really want to stay in New York, but yeah, they're like $4 million off. Um, I'm getting offered from like three other teams, four years, 10 mil. And, um, you know, they, the way I played, I, I really wanted that four years. Um, and New York was kind of around, you know, three years, six mil. And I, I, you know, I would have taken, as long as if they could have just given me another year, I, I would have, I would have stayed, but, um, uh, they just wouldn't, they just wouldn't give me that. So, um, it was a tough day cause I was so happy to, you know, go to Montreal playing for original six team, a great franchise and, you know, sign a big contract, which was, you know, big for my type of player at the time. I kind of opened the door for players like me at that time. And, um, but at the same time, I was so sad. I remember laying up in my bed. There was tons of people over at my house and people kind of came to celebrate. And you know, I was so happy, but I was still so sad inside because I was leaving the Rangers and leaving a, a city that I loved and, and leaving a lot of friends. So um, it was a really weird day for me, that free agency day. Uh, to have two emotions of pure joy and pure sadness is a weird, weird thing. So something that not many people will ever experience, I don't think. I think it was surprising for Ranger fans because we didn't think they would resign you. And then, you know, sure enough, they, they don't. And it's like, oh, wow, we just kind of lost our glue guy. And, uh, and I know that was tough for Ranger fans to see you go. Um, but you go to Montreal, which obviously is a huge hockey market. Um, you know, what was the difference? Because New York's obviously a huge market. Montreal's a huge market. Um, so, like, was there similarities? Was it different? Like, what was – obviously, Montreal's got, like, the crazy French media as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like, how'd you deal with all yeah. that? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one of the, the big difference I would say is, um, in Montreal, um, you go for breakfast and there's, you might take 10 pictures, right? So in New York, it's, Hey, Presti, good, good work. Keep up the good work or whatever. And people just kind of acknowledge you or not everybody knows you in Montreal, like everybody knows who you are. So you're walking down the street or you're, you know, having breakfast and yeah, you're, <laughs> it's 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 intense there right it's a it's a different world so um I, but a great organization um great city to play in um yeah it, it's tough I, I i love new york whenever somebody asks me your favorite city uh to play in uh i always say new york so um i i love new york but montreal was definitely uh a close second and um great fan base and like i said i love playing in hockey markets i love playing with that intensity of a, a sold out crowd and um you know hockey night in canada uh, was it was definitely a great three years i spent there so if there was uh, an alumni game between rangers and canadians you're throwing on a ranger jersey or uh oh uh, yeah, you know, I don't, I might have to play half and half. I might have to play a period and a half on each. <laughs> uh, all right. Now talking about you being the enemy of the Rangers, 2014 Eastern conference finals, Rangers, Canadians, an awesome setup, two of the best goaltenders in hockey going into it. Game one, Chris Kreider collides with Carey price, knocks him out of the series. You went after Kreider later on in the game, which obviously you're, that's what you would do if you were a Ranger as well. Um, did you think Kreider did it on purpose? Um, no, I don't think he did it on purpose. No. Um, but I still have to go in there and, yeah. and, and, you know, you can't just, you just took our best player out and we're not just going to stand around. And even if it's accident or purpose, just, you know, take that 
take that doubt right out. Like, uh, you know, if you, if he would fight me there, then you just kind of move on from it. You know, it's, it's settled. So, um, but the accidentally per on purpose, the thing that I kind of said on the media was basically, I mean, I played New York for three years before that. I, that was kind of a motto, like bump the goalie accidentally on purpose. Like, yeah, you, like that was a thing. That's, that's what we did. That was a slogan that we used. So accidentally on accidentally on purpose is actually a real thing. And um, so, you know, I didn't, I didn't say that in the media. I said accidentally on purpose, but I didn't say, that's the motto on the board, yeah. which I easily could have, but I wasn't going to be that much of a sellout. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, it's just something about going really hard to the net. If you fall, you fall, like whatever. So that's, that's basically what happened. He's going full speed. You, you, you lose an edge at full speed going towards the net, right towards the goal. You're, you're taking them out. So that's kind of the, you know, you always have to be weary as a player, um, you know, cut to that net. If you, he was kind of going straight on and yeah. he was a player at the time. And uh, yeah, he, he, he lost an edge, but you lose an edge at full speed. Especially Kreider of six, three, that speed, it's, it's going to hurt. You're taking a, you're taking the goalie out. So yeah. And it's, yeah. And a big boy at that, at full speed. So um, that, that obviously kind of ruined our, our chances at winning the Stanley cup. So you can see how upset we would be. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the locker room after that game, obviously, you know, the extent of the injury, but, you know, was there like a somberness to that locker room? Like, we might have just lost our best player there. Like, you know, yeah. Was, yeah. For, sure. For sure. Yeah. That's, you know, that kind of takes the wind right out of your sails. Uh, you know, we, we had a backup goalie, Tokarski, come in and play great, but we didn't play good in front of him after that. You know, we were mm -hmm. pretty deflated. And um, that's just a kind of a natural thing. You try and battle through and stuff, but it's, uh, it's tough. Um, game three of that series, you catch Derek Stepan up high with the with the shoulder there in a weird play. No, um, it was clean hit. It was a clean <laughs> hit. It was just a little bit late. The hit was clean. That was into the chest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're you're claiming your innocence there. Uh, a little late. I said a little. It was a little late. A little weird play. I said a weird play. Obviously, there's no okay. intent there. Um, now I, I'm sure you playing with Derek. I mean, was there a, a seeing him on the ground? Like, was that tough to see that afterwards? Or like, obviously you didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I, I well, I wasn't sure the extent of his injury, and you know, I'm still not to this day. I still text him and say, I think you faked that. But um, <laughs> uh, obviously, we're down two nothing going to New York, and we're in the conference finals. Like, I I need to try and change the series. Like in my mind, I was thinking of area. I was thinking of ways to run Hank. I was literally, and Hank's like one of my best buddies. And I was literally trying to think of ways that I could run him over without getting a penalty or without costing my team. And I mean, that's how your mind works. You do anything to, you do anything to win. Obviously I didn't want to hurt anybody. And, and I'm trying to, I'm coming into that game going, all right, I need to get our team going. I need to, I need to, I need to start something. I need to spark these guys. Cause we are, we just lost two in Montreal. So we are in an uphill battle. So, um, you know, I ended up uh, just hitting him. Um, the hit was, you know, my shoulder was into his chest and it was just obviously, um, I think they, I think they deem a, a late hit like 0 0.0, like 0.5 seconds, 0.5 seconds after the puck has moved is a late hit. And I was about 0.8 seconds or 0.9 seconds. Um, so, 
I mean, we're talking points of seconds, which is, that's why I was suspended. Even, even on my call, they said, yeah, the, the hit is clean, but it's, it's a late hit. So that's why I got two games. And obviously because he had a broken jaw. So he said, <laughs> you wore the football helmet out there the next or the two games later or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, you don't see too many people playing hockey with a broken jaw. <laughs> yeah, no, I, the Ranger fans thought we were lost him for the rest of the playoffs and he came back at a no, you know, kind of, uh, out of nowhere with the van, the full mask on there, but um, yeah, I mean, it's probably the first time you've ever been booed in MSG, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, of course. And I mean, that's uh, that's obviously part of the game, right? Like, um, I know that's and then I, I remember doing an interview after, and you know, I did a full interview kind of apologizing and saying my point, and then uh, but they said, Oh, how do you feel like they're fans were booing you and stuff and I'm like well they're not my fans anymore right like they are cheering like you know they, they yeah they're they're cheering against the montreal we're in the playoffs like and the headline in the newspaper the next day was press says they're not my fans anymore i was like he's like like no it's just even i mean it's typical like, new york media i mean typical yeah. new york media like out of my whole five minute press conference apology to death. yeah they take Pruss says they aren't my fans anymore. I'm like, oh my god. Pruss hates New York across the front. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. may as well put that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm assuming you reached out to step on after that, or did you wait? I did. I yeah. yeah, I texted him that night. I texted him that night and said, "Dude, like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, obviously, I'm just trying to spark the team. I didn't. I'm not trying to." Uh, he knew he knows I'm not trying to hit him. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to come out and hit and I'm hitting against a team that used to are all my buddies. Right. So it's, a is that fight. weird though? Is it weird going it like, is, like it's yeah. all your friends, right? Hi everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's chief medical officer and host of the spotlight on series from WebMD's health discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years, and he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. It is weird. It's weird to, you know, it's weird to run a battle guys and guys that are your friend that you've been going to war with for a few years. Now you're going to war against them. And, um, so it is different and, um, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely tough, but, uh, unfortunately step on step was on the, uh, other side of that one. <laughs> um, we were joking about this beforehand too. And uh, I don't know if I'm gonna get an answer out of you, but game seven, Stanley cup, uh, you gotta pick a goalie, Carrier Price or Henrik Lundqvist. Who's your goalie? Oh, 
I can't even make that decision because they're both my good buddies. And I, if they hear, if they hear me pick, I will, I will not be able to, uh, no, I can't. I, it's so tough to make that decision. Um, both different types of both different styles of, of play, um, both great guys. So, um, I don't know. I would have to flip a coin if I had to pick. <laughs> All right, how, how about this uh, penalty shot to win the Stanley Cup who, of your teammates or even yourself? Who's taking it? Penalty shot of one of my teammates of yeah. all of all time. All time. You got to win the cup. Oh man. Oh man. Oh, all time. Jeez, I can't even remember who is really good. I want to say Gabrick. Uh, Oh man, you know, I really liked, uh, you know, who I really, well, when I played in Montreal, uh, Galchenyuk was pretty good. Well, you know what? Rob shrimp. I would take Robbie shrimp. That's true. He's the, yeah, he's the, I would take him for sure. He's the shootout, uh, shootout King, right? Yeah. He's supposed to be, he's supposed to be, I don't know what, I'd like to see what his percentage is. It's probably pretty good, but yeah, shrimpy would be, uh, he'd be the guy I'd be taking. Uh, so three years in Montreal, you got to trade the Vancouver. Um, with Vancouver, you hit your thousand penalty minutes. Now I know usually when the guys play, when you play a thousand games, you get the silver stick. They give you silver gloves when you hit the thousand penalty minutes. I don't know. I didn't even know I hit it in, oh. in Vancouver. Jeez. Yeah. That shows, the, the, that shows that organization. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say time in Vancouver, probably not the best of days. Yeah, it was a good start to the season. And, uh, I remember I, I you know, I hurt my ankle about maybe 10 to 12 games in I, busted my ankle up and uh was out for about four weeks i should have been out six but i was really rushing to get back and uh never really got back to form and kind of started uh, you know the, i didn't really get along with uh you know the coaching staff there wasn't uh well i don't know yeah it's it's tough to say you can blame everybody you want but uh yeah it ended up uh not being that uh, that great of a time for me so um yeah, that was kind of my last. Uh, and then I got a trial with the Leafs uh, the next year, and I was with them for about four months and waiting for a contract. And um, they just – nobody was getting hurt. Nobody was – I was just kind of waiting for that opportunity and, you know, uh, ended up um, ended up having to go to Germany. Did you play a preseason with the Leafs? Yeah, I played, I think, three preseason games with the Leafs. And have, did well. Had a had a few fights. I fought Chris Neal with the uh, Leafs and did really well against them. I had a probably my best fight against Nealer, and um, and then had an assist too. Like I yeah, I had a I had a great uh, preseason. So and then I remember Babcock was just like, "Hey, we really like you. We just don't have we don't have a spot for you right now, but we want you to stay with us and and practice and, and you know do all that." And, I did that for about three months, but I had to make a decision on Europe. And um, yeah, that was, uh, that was it. Had to be a thrill, at least for the preseason put on the Leafs Jersey, right. For a kid growing up Leafs fan. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. That was good. And I still have, you know, I still have my Leafs gear uh, that I use, but uh, that would have been a, I really would have liked to have made the team that year and and, and extended my career. And you talk about Germany. We had your former teammate in Germany, Brand Siegel on a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he said you really enjoyed the uh, officiating over there. Oh my god! Oh my god! It took a it it took a while to get used to the like it was so bad the calls that they were making like and we would have games where it'd be like we'd have seven penalty kills and they would have one it'd be seven to one in penalties like 
and just like the worst, just the, uh, I, <laughs> I remember having dreams of like, you know, shooting pucks at refs. I'd wake up sweating like referees because they were just the worst. <laughs> oh. well, you think there's some payments going on over there from uh, certain I, ownerships? I, the I people. Have, I have I have no clue what the what they were doing over there, but uh, they would the refs would literally take over a game. I remember first shift of a game. Uh, it was playoffs, and uh, Steckel, who obviously played uh, NHL as well, and we were line mates and he looks at me, he goes, Hey, first few shifts, no pocket. We're just going to go out and hit some guys. I'm like hundred percent. So first shift, I hit a guy in the, in the corner pucks kind of stuck in his feet. I, I smoke him. Ref puts up his hand, puck goes behind the net, stacks, hammers the other D man. We both hammer the two D man. He calls two boarding penalties. We're five on three first to start the game. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, these the worst yeah. boarding calls you'll ever see uh and guys would just flop right over there too uh it was frustrating it was a frustrating game over there uh you came back i think it was was it la you went you tried it you um right was yeah. it la you went back to and then yeah uh, was there yeah sorry i was gonna say was there any thought to trying to keep the career going after that well, for me, like by that time, my, my body was, my body was pretty beat up. Like my shoulder was killing me. I, I remember that summer going to LA camp. Um, I was, I was struggling through injuries, even just in the summer, you know? So going into camp, I was, I was, you know, not in my usual tip top shape and um, was definitely having some pain with my, my shoulder and my hip. So for me, uh, being 34, um, I was kind of like, if I'm not going to be making, if I'm not, if I'm not making a million dollars or what, or minimum wage in the NHL, like I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to be playing this for a hundred grand or something in, in the AHL or, mm-hmm. um, so that was kind of, for me, that was kind of it. There was, you know, just wasn't worth it for me anymore. I would have, I would have taken that pain and that punishment, um, in the NHL, but, uh, yeah, it was kind of over for me to, to, to do that anywhere else. Uh, a couple more questions before I let you go, but, uh, was there any good pranks you pulled on anybody or any good pranks you saw pulled? <laughs> um, well, there was one, um, uh, when I was in Montreal, there was one with, uh, PK Subban. Um, we, we played, um, in Florida, we were playing in Florida, playing the Panthers and we'd already clinched first place in our division or conference or something like that. So it was the end of the season and we had like four days in between games. We, we played in, um, we played in Florida on the Sunday and we didn't play again until, you know, the Thursday or Friday back in Montreal. So, um, PK and you know the captains on the team we have a team meeting and they're like okay we're gonna stay in Florida after the game we're gonna stay for a couple of days for the guys to relax we're gonna do team stuff you know we'll do team dinners and we'll lay on the beach and whatever but nobody's going to Miami like this isn't a you don't stay over we're not going to Miami to party or anything like that it was like awesome this is great so first night it's like it's uh game day it's in the morning and i find out like pk went to miami the night before to like party and i'm like okay whatever so it comes game time and we jump on the bus to go to the game and i see pk's got a duffel bag so i know he's got a duffel bag with all his clothes to go out when we have like team party after team dinner in fort lauderdale he's got to change of clothes because he's going down to miami so <laughs> 
So after the game, we end up winning four one. I go into the uh, I go into our locker, our change room, and I take all his clothes and I just I just bury them. I just hide them somewhere like he's got nothing left, right? So <laughs> a couple weeks later, PK's he's he's just he's searching. He's been asking around who took my clothes, he, but he doesn't want to make a big deal about it because he was also missing for two nights when he held a meeting saying nobody's going to Miami, and then he goes to Miami. So like. I guess a couple weeks later, someone must have told him it was Prusty. And because nobody was saying anything, but someone must have ratted me out. So he takes after one of the games, we're playing in Toronto, last game of the season. And uh, I'm going to see my family. I got tons of family up there and I can't find my phone anywhere. I'm like, what the heck? Where I just I thought I had my phone. Where the heck's my phone? So I go and I'm checking PK. He's like, I don't have your phone. I don't have your phone. So uh he he uh oh no the the team the dressing room attendant for you know visiting teams he calls me over he goes Presty he goes I, I I saw somebody I saw PK put something in his sock so I'm like oh man I've been looking for my phone for like 15 minutes I got my family up there with family and friends waiting for me and so I go up the stairs up in the stands and I go to PK's feet and feel around Sure enough, there's my cell phone. He goes, I go, you mother. He goes, you took my clothes. I'm like, I didn't take your clothes. He's like, he's like, oh yeah, he had like five hundred dollar, you know, Louis Vuittons on or something like that. And like, I threw all his clothes away. Like, he's like, that was a two thousand dollar outfit. <laughs> oh man. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Uh, Ranger fans will enjoy that with the uh, the slew foot of PK this year. I think they'll they'll like the fact that he uh, he got pranked there on. Um, yeah. uh, favorite arena playing? Oh, favorite arena. I mean, I think I played in two of the best MSG and uh, the Bell Center. Um, those are definitely two of my favorite. I I I'm playing in Boston and and Philly is always fun too. Um, their their barns are always rocking pretty good, um, but. Yeah, I would say I would say for me, MSG and, and Bell Center were two of the best in the league, and I, and I got to play in both of them a lot. Uh, Winter Classic, how awesome was that? Yeah, that was really cool. That was a cool year. Um, you know, obviously they, they did the HBO twenty four seven, which was cool, gave it some exposure, and then uh, getting a couple assists with uh, Rupper's yep. two goals, and um, comes down and Briere gets that penalty shot um so yeah that was uh that was a great game that was a great game and great experience and glad we came out on top i think the nhl couldn't have scripted that any better there with hank again uh, making the save there right to the yeah. end of the game and that was incredible and yeah, and, yeah and rupper doing the yager salute also just endearing himself to philly fans forever yep yep <laughs> that was awesome too that was awesome <laughs> uh favorite city oh to play in yeah like road city because i was yeah, I mean, yeah new york new york's my favorite city um new york's my favorite city for sure um but to go on the road um it's tough i mean i we always we always you always like going south right you always like going i mean chicago is a great road city too but i you always like going to dallas or 
Florida, like Tampa, something like that. It's just the weather, weather, what something about during the middle of the winter and is always playing for usually for northern teams. You, once you go south, uh, you got that sunshine. And um, that I would say, I would say Dallas, Tampa were great. Tampa and Fort Lauderdale, fun, fun times. So, and Chicago is a great city as well. Uh, where was your rookie party and how bad was the bill? My rookie party was in Phoenix. Uh, so we were in Scottsdale and the bill was between four rookies was uh, 32 grand. So eight grand a guy. That's so um, I, we had, uh, it was a joke time. So the rookies had to tell a joke and um, Dion Phaneuf uh, was on the team. He was his second or third year. So um this joke ended up costing me probably about five G's because um, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> so uh, I, I stand up, I go, Hey, Dion, what sexual positions make the ugliest babies? He goes, I don't know. I go ask your mom <laughs> <laughs> and everybody starts, everyone starts dying laughing and Dion doesn't make a, his face doesn't even move. He doesn't even budge. He just calls the waiter over, holds up the wine, the wine list. And he goes, I'll take that. And I'll take that. So <laughs> he ordered two bottles, about two grand each. And uh, I was like, oh, to the other rookies, I'm like, oh, sorry, boys, that one cost us. They're like, no, that was great. That was well worth it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the highest tab you've seen on run on someone? Um, I, oh, I've heard of rookie parties around 10 grand. I, I think they kind of cap it off now below eight grand, but, um, we, we used to play the, you know, credit card game, uh, credit card roulette, whatever mm. guys want to call it. Um, and I saw, uh, Ryan Callahan, he got hit with, I think, you know, 10 or 11 grand one, one time we were out for dinner. There was about, I think there was about 12 of us. And yeah, we were, we were doing some wine and, and, uh, we, we ran that bill up pretty good. And then we did the credit card game and I was sweating. I think I was down to one of the last four and thank God my card got pulled and uh, Callie got stuck with it. <laughs> at that point, you guys just look at Hank and be like, Hey, you want to pick this up? <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. Uh, did you ever, did you ever win one of his, uh, wine bottle raffles after a shootout? Oh, I can't remember if I did. I can't remember if I did or not. But yeah, I forgot that he did that, the wine bottle. Yeah. I I can't remember if I did. I don't think I did. Or I would I would remember it. I forgot that he did that. And I think were you there with, with Brad Richards when he brought the hat into the locker room for the first time, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Did you I, I obviously the name of the program, the Broadway Hat Podcast, where he gets his name from, but uh, is there, were you there that night when he stole it from the, the girl at the club? Yeah. Yeah. I was there. I was out that night, but I didn't know that he brought it home. And I didn't know that like, I, I, like we knew it, we knew about it the next game when, you know, that's when that Broadway hat was born, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, we were definitely all there that night, but just didn't know what was going down. But I remember him taking it from that girl, I think, but I, <laughs> we didn't know it was going to be our new, the new Broadway hat. <laughs> It's crazy. It's now a tradition from what was it? One Oak you guys were at. I forget what club it was at, but uh, I, think it, I think it was one Oak. That was yeah. Yeah. From stolen from a girl's hat to now Ranger lore and every game. The player that yeah. Gets yeah. It now. yeah. I um, wonder if that girl, I wonder if that girl knows that that's her hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, last question for you. We let you go. Uh, is there a favorite memory to you that stands out from your career? 
Um, I, yeah, my memories, are, I think my favorite ones are the playoff runs. Um, I had one in Montreal and one in New York. And um, those were always uh, fun times. Playoff time is just a different, uh, different vibe and a different, you know, you're in a totally different mindset. So um, my playoff run with the Rangers uh, going to the conference finals was uh, a great memory. I did the same thing with Montreal. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, New York, uh, that, that line brawl was a huge memory. and something I'll always remember. So yeah, there's lots of, lots of different ones. Um, but I think those, those playoff runs are something that, uh, I'll always cherish. Yeah. And I think Ranger fans always cherish that playoff run too. And, and hopefully this year we get another one. I think this is uh, one of the better teams they've had in a long time that can possibly make some noise in the playoffs. For sure. Yeah, 100%. They, they're looking good. So uh, I think playoffs, it kind of, it all comes down to the goaltending. Uh, you got a goalie that stands on his head, you can do pretty much anything. <laughs> Look at the Habs last year. Yeah, I know. And Igor right now is rolling. So uh, yeah, yep. you saw firsthand with Hank, I mean, and, and Carey Price. I mean, you get yep. the world's best goaltender back there. You got a good shot. Yep, exactly. Well, Prosty, thanks so much for joining us. And hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much to Brendan Press for joining us this week. Uh, on a, a crappy Rangers night and Rangers couple games, at least uh, some good stories there from Brandon. So uh, some uplifting stuff there for Ranger fans to listen to and maybe get you a little bit pumped up for game five and some hope there that the Rangers could possibly come back. But I want to thank him for taking the time out of his very busy schedule for joining us this week. It was awesome. It was, it was truly, uh, it was an honor to talk with him because I, I am a, a huge fan of his and, uh, I really enjoyed the style of play that he brought to the Rangers and uh, just an overall great guy, so I can't thank him enough. And that does it for Episode 75 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners. 75 episodes, awesome, nice milestone for the show. Uh, so I cannot thank all of our listeners and followers enough for continuing to support the the show and continuing to support me. Uh, it truly is awesome, and, and I want to thank you guys. Can't thank you guys enough. Uh, make sure you follow the show on all social media. You follow the show on Twitter at Broadway Hat Pod. You can follow my personal Twitter account at KHOLNY for all New York Ranger updates. You can follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at the Broadway Hat Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and please leave us a lovely five-star review on there. We are still partnered up with Alex's Lemonade Foundation, donating a dollar for every five-star review that is left. Uh, we've raised close to $80 so far, so thank you to all of our listeners and followers who have done that already. If you have not, Please go on there. It takes one minute out of your day to help an unbelievable cause, helping fight pediatric cancer. So thank you to all of our listeners. Go on and subscribe to the show on Spotify. Leave us a five-star review there as well. You can find the show on Google Play, Amazon, uh, Pandora, anywhere, Spreaker, anywhere you can get your podcast, you can find the show there. And hopefully next time we'll talk will be a remarkable Rangers comeback after a Game 7 uh, or we might have to do another emergency podcast in between if something goes down. But uh, hopefully the Rangers can get their act together here and, and get a win back on home ice in game five. And we'll take it from there. But uh, until then, let's go Rangers and uh, we'll see you next week.
Iowans. You have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.